0: Welcome, everybody, to the Crosspoint Sermon Podcast. But the biggest thing that we have to work on and we have to make sure that we're doing first is we have to learn. make sure that we are praying first, that we are a pray-first people. And that is the title of today's message. No matter what we do, make sure that we pray first. Today, Pastor Jonathan challenges us with the spiritual idea of prayer first. First. Well, we are excited about what God is doing. This is the end of 2023. Some of you are excited. Some of you are not. Some of you just realized I have a birthday coming up and you're not excited about that, but it's okay. 2023 is ending. 2024 is coming. And I truly believe that God is going to do amazing things in 24, just as he has done in 23. And some of you may be thinking, well, it wasn't that great of a year. I bet it was better than you thought. I bet God did more than you think He did. And so I just know that He continues to show up. And we're going to celebrate the new year this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock by coming together and having a night of prayer. And so we invite you to come and be a part of that. And let's pray together. Let's lift up the name of Jesus. And uh, let's pray over what God is going to do in the new year. Amen? We are, today is, 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 as we said, the end of one year. It's about the beginning of a new new year, which means it's a new year. It's a fresh start. There's new gym, membership, gym memberships that are being made as of right now. Right? But the biggest thing that we have to work on and we have to make sure that we're doing first is we have to learn. make sure that we are praying first, that we are a pray-first people. And that is the title of today's message. No matter what we do, make sure that we pray first. And I know that in some of our minds we think, well, yeah, but I'm talking about There are decisions that we are going to have to make daily that we need to start really bringing to the throne. That we haven't exactly got there yet. But it's a new year. I'm not saying forget the new gym membership. But I'm saying let's start healthy here. Then we can be healthy in other areas. Let's make sure that we're praying first. Before we start making New Year decisions, let's pray on it. And we need to ask ourselves this question. Have we spent time dedicating this New Year to God? Have we already been asking for His wisdom, for His direction? Asking for His will over my will. Asking for Him to flourish the decisions that we make. Asking what he wants for our finances, our relationships, our marriages, our children, our businesses, our careers. Because the truth is, none of that belongs to us. Everything belongs to him. Our marriage belongs to him. Our, my, my children belong to him. My finances, whoo! Those are, those, are, those are past, those are, those are mine. No, they're not. If we're a follower of Christ, those, everything belongs to him. Everything. Well, I just got a brand new car. No, God just loaned you one. <laughs> because it's not ours. It's his. Nothing we have really belongs to us. It belongs to him. We're caretakers of everything he's given us. we have to be a pray first type people so that we can know how he wants us to take care of these things how does he want us to grow how does he want us to nurture things how does he want us to flourish in everything that we do how are we going to feel empowered and accomplished have momentum if we don't really know what god wants But I'm here to tell you, he wants everyone in this room to flourish. He wants everyone watching online to flourish in him. And What does that mean? Flourish means to achieve, succeed, and thrive, to grow luxuriantly, and to be in a state of productivity, to reach a height of development or influence. Ladies and gentlemen, he wants the church to be of great influence. He's calling the church. He's begging the church to follow him, to pray with him, to know him so that the church can be the example of the heavenly realms that we're supposed to be. He's begging us. God wants us to flourish. He wants us to shift our lives so that we can thrive in him. None of us can flourish on our own. We're not meant to flourish on our own. We're not meant to do this on our time and my way. I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says, you may forget that you are at every moment totally dependent on God. We are totally dependent on God. God, everything we, I am totally dependent on God. Every decision I make for the church, I am totally dependent on God. Every decision I make for my family, I am totally dependent on God. Every decision I make, I am dependent on God. Every moment. But we, we forget that because we get in a hurry and we get busy and we start making our own choices and we start figuring things out. I don't know if you have you ever just gotten yourself so busy that you start forgetting things? I'm going to confess something to you. As your pastor, I got so busy with things yesterday that I forgot to get myself ready today. And I left the house and I came back to my study and I was praying And I was getting myself ready and getting my notes out and realized, I don't have my Bible. I'm no good to you without my Bible. I'm nothing without it. I need it. So I had to call my wife and say, would you please bring my Bible? And she's so good that she brought it And didn't say anything. (laughs) Yes. She's so much better than me because I would have made jokes. (laughs) God wants us to flourish. Psalm 92, 12 says, But the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. They are transplanted to the Lord's own house. Even in old age, they will produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. Man, that, that means we all have still have a job to do. No matter how young we are, old we are, we have a job to do. And he's going to help us flourish in that as long as we re- stay in him, remain in him. Then he says, the Lord is just. He is my what? There is no evil in him. You have been designed by God to flourish, to grow in him. But we have to make sure that we are standing on him, the rock. We have to make sure that all our prayers are on him. Look. He is the shield about us. He is our deliverer. He is our strength. He is our hope. He is the light of the world. He is the one that we run to. He is our refuge in times of trouble. We have to stand on him and not just try to do it ourselves. And the only way we can do that is pray first. Pray first. Our key scripture this morning is Romans 12, 12. I love this. Paul is teaching us, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in. Be patient. Be patient. We love that word, right? Be patient. Oh! What's he saying? Stop trying to do it on your own and come to me first. Be patient. Well, I have to have a decision made today. There is 30 seconds that you can take to pray and ask God. I promise you. You can take 30 seconds, 10 seconds, 15 seconds and ask God, Lord, is this what you want me to do? How long did that take right there? It doesn't take long. Lord, I need help. I need need your wisdom. Holy Spirit, I need you to go before me on this. I'm going to make this decision, but I need you to go before me and help me. I'm dependent on you. Be patient in trouble. Let me tell you what else this means. It means stop freaking out. When trouble comes, and being led by your emotions, stop freaking out, stop it. Because freaking out doesn't help anybody. Panic doesn't help anybody. If you have ever been in an EMT, a police officer, fire, whatever, first responder course, they teach you not to panic. Panicking only makes things worse. If you walk up with a panic voice, people are going to panic. But if you're calm, they'll be calm. And if they're not calm right away, they'll become calm. Be patient in trouble. You know what helps us calm down? The one who has everlasting peace. And the only way that we connect to the one who has everlasting peace is to pray first. And then, when it doesn't happen right away, keep on praying. But, Pastor, I've waited three whole days, (laughs) I've waited three whole months. Some people have waited 30 years. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. But I'm discouraged. It's okay to get discouraged. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. Because there's other things that God has revealed himself to you and other ways in which he has revealed himself to you. You just need to make sure you're opening your eyes to see what he's done instead of what he hasn't done. Mm. That's preaching right there. Come on get you some (laughs) keep on praying that was a big point for the Apostle Paul. Paul he had to go through he lived that Apostle Paul being persecuted keep on praying they're coming after me keep on praying oh they've caught me keep on praying oh I'm in jail keep on praying oh they let me go Keep on praying. Oh, I'm in another jail. Keep on praying. Oh, they're beating me. Keep on praying. Oh, looks like they're going to kill me this time. Keep on praying. Oh, they let me go. Keep on praying. Now they put me in another jail. Keep on praying. You see a theme? Paul didn't freak out. Philippians one nine. Says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. The only way that we keep on growing in knowledge and understanding of God is to keep on praying. We want to have clarity in this world, keep on praying. Because we are living in a world that is trying to steal our identity and complicate our genders and relationships and destroy our self worth. We're living in a society that's telling us that there are no absolute truths and that we as Christians need to be thinking in a more progressive way. That we need to be more inclusive to everything and every belief. That we need to have subjective happiness to live our lives. If your pursuit is happiness, you're never gonna be happy. You'll never be full of joy. See, joy comes with the Lord. He's the sustainer of joy. Happiness comes and goes like this. And this is all being done because we have an enemy that doesn't want Christians to be able to discern the difference between the kingdom of God and a false world utopia. Well, the world is just wonderful and peaceful, and everybody's going to get along, and everybody's going to get along when we get to heaven. Until then, we need to pray first and figure out what we're doing and how we're going to handle situations. Because if we keep following the way of the the world, then we're going to find ourselves living a a hell-up lifestyle instead of a kingdom-down lifestyle. And the pursuit of personal fulfillment will become your goal of life. And that will take you into moral, anarchy, chaos, and cultural tyranny. What is that? Cultural tyranny, the pressure to make you say things that you do not believe. How many times have we had friends, dynamic for the Lord, and then all of a sudden they're saying things, that you can't believe are coming out of their mouths. Why? Because we didn't keep on praying. We started listening to man's logic instead of the voice of the Lord. We've got to be careful. And I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, we do believe that Jesus is the good shepherd, that he is the way, that Jesus is the truth, that Jesus is the life. We do believe that God the Father spoke and the earth was created. We do believe that with the confession of our sins and the calling on the name of Jesus, that we will be saved. We do believe that Jesus was born, lived a perfect life, died a horrendous death, and rose three days later. We do believe that he. Continued to remain on this earth for 40 more days and ascended to the father in heaven and we do believe in the calling of his church into righteousness and that king jesus is coming back for his people <gasps> yeah. and we also believe that the miracles that jesus did here on this earth that he has more because he said that you will do greater than, that he has more for us than miracles, that 2024, I truly believe, is going to be a wave of miracles that are going to come, and they're going to come in ways that we don't even realize, we don't even expect, but we got to be a people that pray first. Because if we don't pray, how do you expect? I'm just going to believe. I'm just going to believe. I'm going to believe that my wife's going to get me what I want, but I'm not going to tell her. I'm just going to believe. Three years have passed. What's your problem? You never asked. You never talked to me. Well, can't God read my mind? He doesn't want to read your mind. He wants to hear your heart. Ladies and gentlemen, the church is going to be a house of miracles, a place of miracles. The church is called to be a prophetic voice to the culture and to expose lies, to preach the truth, and to call the world back to repentance. And I'm not talking about the church building. I'm talking about the church. The church. Let me, let me do this. Um, you are empowered to leave these doors and room and be the church outside of these walls and not just faking it. Don't just be the church in here. You have my permission to be the church out there. And I believe that 2024, we are going to start seeing a great amount of people start flooding into the church instead of what the world is saying, the church is dying, the church, people are leaving the church in droves. I believe that there's going to be a great revival and the church is going to start filling up with people who are ready to actually be the church. Judgment's going to be gone. We're going to let the Holy Spirit do his thing. We're going to let people in. But they don't look like me. It's okay. They don't smell like me. That's okay. They have different beliefs. It's okay, let's lead them to the cross. Let Jesus work that out. Oh, instead of being uninvolved in their lives, maybe we should step up and be involved. Because that's what the church is supposed to do. That's how we expose the lie in people's lives. And by praying first, that's how we get there. That's one of the things that we've got to do is we've got to expose the lie. The lie has been there since the beginning of this world and we've got people that are listening to the people in the church that are listening to the wrong voice. We have to understand and we have to know who's, whose voice is true. Whose voice is holy? Whose voice is leading us in the right path? I mean, it was in Genesis 3:1. It says the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? It's the same thing. The enemy has the same lie. Because when you're sitting there and you're, wisp- and you're having your prayer time, anybody ever have their prayer time and, and you just have these thoughts come in your head? not it, Like the grocery list? Like the to-do list? The things just start popping in your head and you're like, no, I'm focusing on God. What are we going to eat tonight? Better yet, who's cooking it? <laughs> am I the only one, or do we, have, do we have those thoughts when we try to have our, our quiet time, our prayer time? We all have that come in, right? And, and a quick way to get rid of that stuff, write it down, get rid of it, focus on God. Here's the other thing, but there's, a, there's another voice that will come in, and you're like, Lord, I am yours. I am here. I am your servant. And we have this voice that comes in and goes, but he doesn't want you. You're not worthy. You screwed up way too much. You're not valuable. we got to expose the lie. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a lie. When it tears you down, it's a lie. Well, I know God really told me to focus on this. But there's a voice that's telling me I need to do this. Expose the lie. How do we expose the lie? Give, tell tell Lord, here's the Lord, this is what's going on. The other way I do it, I go to my wife, I go to someone I trust, one of the other pastors in our church, one of the other pastors that I'm friends with, and I'll tell them, I've got this in my head, and they'll tell me, that's a lie from the enemy. And sometimes I just need somebody to confirm it so I can fight it. Expose the lie. Get rid of it. And one of the things that Adam and Eve did, look, Adam and Eve walked in the garden with God. They talked with him. They communicated with him. They spent time with him. And this one voice comes in and causes a problem? Why is that? And I believe this is for the whole church. And we have to be very careful of this. Adam and Eve took the voice of the Lord for granted. And there's times where we take the voice of the Lord for granted. And how do we know that we do that? Because we don't obey what he says to do. Get to know the voice of the Lord. I'm telling you, he's speaking to you. Get to know his voice, how powerful his voice is, how strong his voice is. Expose the lie. John ten fourteen says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me just as my Father knows me, and I know the Father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep, too, that are not in the sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Listen to the voice of God. And let me just expose a lie. God is not going to bring a married couple together and tell one of those married couple that they need to go do this and sin, and this, the other married couple that they need to go do this and not bring them together. That's a lie. It's, it's a lie. Well, this is what God told me. Well, this is what God told me. No, y'all listen to a lie, and that's what your flesh is telling you. You need to go sit with God, sit with someone who is godly and help discern the voice of God. And his voice will provide peace and truth over the lie. I promise. And when we can do that, then we can advance and we can come together and we can start praying together. And there's something powerful when the church prays first. When the church prays, woo! Powerful breakthrough happens when the church prays. I'm going to read from Acts 12, verse 1. And I love this. It says, about that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, sick people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. That's intense for one guy. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Man, he's sleeping between these guys. He's chained to these guys. And others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrist. My goodness, church, what would happen if when Jesus told us to do something, we just did it? My goodness, how many chains would fall off? It'd be amazing to see how many chains just fall off of our lives if we just obey for the first time. Okay, I'm just saying. (sighs) (laughs) Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard post and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. No garage door opener, no nothing. Gate just opened up. So they passed through and started walking down the street and then the angel suddenly left them. Then Peter came to his senses. It's really true, he said. Then the Lord sent his angel and saved saved me from Herod and from the Jewish leaders he had planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. The church was praying for him, earnestly praying for him. He knocked at the door in the gate and the servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed That instead of opening the door, hey, it's me, Peter. God got me out. Uh, Let me in. She was so overjoyed, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter's standing at the door. You're out of your mind, they said. Listen, church. Why come together and pray earnestly if we're not going to believe for the miracle? Mm -hmm. How many churches come together and they just want to say a prayer, but they're not actually believing for the miracle? Well, if it's God's will, well,. No, we proclaim in Jesus' name that healing is coming, that deliverance is coming, that hope is coming, that light is going to enter into the darkness of those that are lost, and they will be saved because they will call on the name of Jesus, and righteousness will fill their heart instead of darkness. What if we believed what we prayed? Oh, my goodness. When she insisted they decided it must be his angel. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. <sighs> My hands hurting. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. It's okay to be amazed at the miracles of God. We need to be in awe of the miracles of God. But we should pray and have an expectation of those miracles happening. Or else, why pray? I believe that God has great things. I believe that miracles are going to come in great ways this year. It's going to be so amazing to watch. And I'm going to take no glory. The church is going to take no glory. King Jesus is going to get all the glory. Because we listen to his voice. Okay, so how do we, okay, we've gone from there, keep on praying. Now, how do we get to that next level, that supernatural level? How do we get there? we've well, we got to take the next step. We're going to hunger and thirst. We're going to pray and fast. Oh, I don't like that fasting thing. Well, nobody does. But I love the results. I love what God does and how he answers. I love how he grows me in those times. Fasting, ladies and gentlemen, is a hungering for God. It's not a religious thing to do. It's a hunger for him. I want to know him more. I want to hear his voice. I want to understand him. Fasting is not a requirement to be a Christian. Fasting is a form of worship to him. I'm going to lay down my natural desires because I want to be greater in the spiritual. I want to know him more. Fasting is a spiritual discipline that is a physical act. And physical obedience brings a spiritual release. Prayer connects us to God. Fasting disconnects us from the world. And fasting is not a punishment from God, it's actually a blessing. And there are some people you're thinking right now, I, I can't fast. I've got health issues. There are people that c- you cannot fast certain types of food. I get it. You can't fast meals. I get it. You got health things going on. You can't fast food. Awesome. Fast something else. Fast screen time. Fast video games. Oh. Oh. Let me say this. I, I'm stepping on toes anyway, so I might as well go all in. Grown. Men, unplug the game and spend time with God. If your fulfillment comes from the game and not from God, something's messed up already. Men, pray first. Lead your families. Men, be who you're called to be. Men, step up to the plate. And pray. Show your family how to do it. Pray with your spouse. My wife tells me all the time, the greatest thing that we do together is pray together. She loves that. I've got to get better at that. Pray. Spend time praying. Fasting. Fast something. Look, fasting's hard because some of you are like, well, I can just eat vegetables. I loathe vegetables, <laughs> it's not even a hatred. It's, I loathe them. I cannot stand them. I do, I like fruit, but I do not like vegetables. Except cherries, I don't like cherries. (laughs) But if I have to do something for a period of time and do something else because I want to grow closer to God, I guess... Growing closer to God's more important. So I have to put away the chocolate cake for celery. <laughs> but not only will I become healthier. My body will be healthier. It's all connected. And when we fast, it's going to help us refocus on the voice that we need to be listening to. I love what Jensen Franklin says. He says, when you fast, it's much easier for you to get God's perspective on your circumstances and find his path through the story not what we want. Don't we want God's perspective? And we have to be careful because I've been around lots of churches and lots of people that fast. And and there's some things that I want you to understand. Fasting does not make you better than someone else or more spiritual than someone else. Fasting does not make you a religious freak. And because you're fasting doesn't mean that you get to manipulate God. I've had so many people that say well I fasted God's going to give me what I want no God's going to give you his desire for your life fasting does not increase God's love for you his love is already all, all over you fasting is a short season that releases long term rewards and I can tell you Every time my wife and I have fasted, we can see the results down the road. Prayer and fasting, more is coming. But we have to be patient, and we have to keep on. And my last point is this. How vital is prayer and fasting? Well, if Jesus went into the wilderness, and he fasted and prayed, and he needed clarity, and he needed to hear God's voice, and he needed that Probably we do too. If Jesus did it and we're followers of Christ we should probably do it too. If Jesus wanted to make sure that every noise of the enemy was canceled out that he knew the difference between his, his voice and his father's voice and he went to the wilderness to spend time with the father to get to know his voice maybe we should take some time to do that too. Whether it's 7 days, 14 days, 21 days, 40 days, whatever God's put on your heart, that's what you need to do. And I promise you, you won't regret it. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. Fasting will strengthen you. Will help you. So, how do I get started? Well, we have the 21-day devotional that's available to you. We have—you can grab this and you can scan the QR code. You can get the download, the free download, or you can wait for the books next week and pay for it. And I'm—I'm getting the book. Pastor Tim is the one that wrote the book did a fantastic job I encourage you if you can get the book but we'll make it as available to you as possible but the biggest thing is write down your plan spend time with the Lord write down the plan write what you're going to give up write down your plan I just I've never fasted before. Start with seven days. I'm not asking you to start with 21. Start with seven. Start with three. Start somewhere. I'm going to give this up. I'm going to give coffee up for three days. Well, you're just getting past the hangover part. Go for seven. I'm going to give caffeine up. Gonna give something up. Write it down, and I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna. I'm I'm very real. Um, January 1st is going to come. I am not starting my fast on January 1st because there's way too many bowl games that are going on, and I'm gonna be eating chips and queso. (laughs) But January 2nd, it's gonna begin. I want to do 21 days. I believe that's what God's called me to do. Write your plan down. Submit it to the Lord. Then, after you've done that, follow through with it. Follow through. Let me tell you one of the biggest things that we as Christians fail out is to follow through. Just follow through with it. You can do it. I believe in you. Follow through pray and fast and then the last thing expect results expect results expect God to move expect the miraculous expect God to do something amazing that you have prayed for and when you pray and fast pray for something that you think is impossible I do I pray for the big picture I want the impossible. What everybody else tells me is impossible because I want to watch God go. Ha ha. <laughs> right now, there may be some impossible things that you're thinking of in, over your life. Maybe you're thinking this sounds good, but I don't know if I'm struggling. Life's been hard. I just don't know. I just don't know. 2023 was ridiculously hard. I don't have much hope for 24. It's okay. I just pray that fear is broken off of you in Jesus' name. I pray that anxiety is broken over you in Jesus' name. I come against the spirit of doubt over you in Jesus' name. And I claim hope over you. And I claim the joy of the Lord. And I claim peace over you in Jesus' name. I want to encourage you right now. If you are ready to take on 2024 the way I believe that you are, I'm going to invite you to just come to the front. We're just going to lift our hands in worship and we're just going to expect God to make the impossible possible. We're going to believe it and we're going to speak it we're going to proclaim it and we're going to put it out there, but I believe that God's about to do something amazing, so let's not hold back. If if you're ready, let's come up here. Let's Let's just raise our hands to him, let's sing to him. Thanks for joining us today. We are Cross Point Church and we are in Tyler, Texas. We'd love for you to find out more about who we are and uh, we put that in the show notes. Have an amazing day putting prayer first.